Radio V. Radio in TV. Radio in TV. And we are back. Another episode of Truth Serum as David Bowie serenades me with young Americans. I still love that song, guys. I like that song, too. Yes. It has, it's saying so much. I don't think people really understand. Um, I am, uh, first of all, I want to say, one of my girlfriends said to me, a very close friend of mine, um, are you going to wear that dress to your show because you have Instagrammed pictures with it and you've worn it before? Oh, she must not really know you. And I was like, <laughs> wait, first of all, I'm not rich. But secondly, like, when are we in high school? Like, do we have to wear new school clothes everywhere we go now? Yo, let me tell you something. Sometimes when I go do a show... And then I, I realize, like, I'll glance at some pictures like, damn, I just <laughs> I have that shirt on in these damn pictures. Yes, but that's what, what human beings do. People that work for, for a living, like, am I supposed to wear a new outfit for every Instagram? Every single time, yes. Oh, no. I'll, Jennifer nah. Lawrence, I love you for that. That will never be me. I will wear I like this dress. That's why I wear it. Well, I, I think <laughs> when you... I mean, when you have millions and millions of dollars, obviously you have the choice to wear whatever you want, but... I think you wear, especially as performers, we wear what's comfortable to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? What we feel good in. But you know, I, I, I know guys who, who, like, look at somebody like a, a Louis C.K. who just wears a black T-shirt right. and jeans whenever he performs. Now, we assume that it's a different black T-shirt. But it may be the same one. It could be. And he has the right to wear the same one if he wants to. Chris Tucker used to wear all black. You know, people have, it's like a costume when you're performing. So don't judge if that's what she feels like wearing. But the idea yeah. of like, a, oh, you can only wear it once now because everybody is, does sends pictures of themselves. So it's kind of like you're, you know, quote unquote, tattling on yourself for yeah. wearing the same thing multiple times. For being human. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> being but a regular I, person. When but I was I, a kid, I thought my dream was I would never have to wear the same pair of socks twice. Like right. I could put on a new a pair, a pair of socks. Did you say that was your dream? When I was a kid. I'm thinking, yeah. like, well, wow, white people have different dreams. That, that was probably <laughs> I, I used to dream about breakfast. <laughs> that was like, bro, okay, that's terrible. That's terrible now. Yeah, I pray that the lights didn't get turned so off again. You dream about getting to school safely. <laughs> I think it was because like when I was 14 or so, I had like really stinky feet. And like I always thought it was because like I didn't, I never washed my socks. Like I was a like a parent, kid with no parents, you know. So oh like, wow! Um, I always thought that it'd be cool to um, never have to wear the same pair again. I can. Wear I'm sorry to interrupt you. You just can't blow over a kid with no parents. So, <laughs> so, so he's like, he's one of us. Like oh. he he has I, I, a I, story. Yeah. So we won't get into it now. It'll, be, it'll take the whole hour. But <laughs> trust me, like uh, we're gonna have to talk about that. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Sure. All right. So we the, and and that leads me into the first thing I want to talk about is. Should comedians become celebrities like or become part of the celebrity culture? Because I feel like that's something that I 
I fight against. I don't, people, people are like, at, uh, when I was in Seattle this weekend, they were like, well, you're a celebrity. I said, no, I'm not. I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, but celebrity means that people know who you are. I was like, first of all, people don't know who I am. But secondly, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be in that category. I want to be the voice of the people. I want to walk amongst them, you know, like. Well, I, I think that says a lot about who you are as a person. But my personal opinion, I think a comedian needs to be a celebrity to really have impact. Okay. Because we're in, a, we're in a society where, if people, especially if you're working, well, I, it, it goes beyond urban rooms now. But a lot of times if people don't know who you are, they don't want to listen to the message. But if they know who you are, the message is received quite easily, or at least they'll listen. But you know what? That's really sad because a lot of people who you know who they are are fucking idiots. Exactly. And you're uh, listening to idiots yeah. tell you. In personas. I mean, a lot of people like, yeah. people don't, uh, I'm sure you guys know it, but like Larry the Cable Guy is a much smarter guy than he lets on. Absolutely. Right. That's right. a character. Yeah. So yeah. He doesn't talk like that or, yeah. I mean, it's a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not out there fighting injustice. You know, he's out there highlighting what it's like to be a redneck. Yeah, which is a different thing. Which is fine because I don't. I think rednecks, uh, rednecks get a, a get somehow the connotation of a redneck being a racist or being you know a a hillbilly or being it's a culture yeah. and they've given it a voice that has nothing to do with race or it just has to do with people that live a certain lifestyle. Exactly. And um, I think like redneck doesn't automatically equal racist no and that's and what that's the stigma with it because we are rednecks in in all cultures yeah we just call them different names yeah. and it's, <laughs> it's been perpetuated by bad comedy too because that's yeah. always the go-to yeah. the redneck always is always the racist in the bit you oh, know? Yeah. it helps like for a comedian to become a celebrity because it lets you be able to poke holes also in hollywood too like if everybody stayed away and like they all stayed back in like their little towns and they never grew any bigger. Mm-hmm. They, would, they wouldn't have like somebody like David Cross well, who just skewers Hollywood in terrible ways. Let me clarify. I didn't say I didn't want to be successful. I said I didn't want to belong to celebrity culture, yeah. which is two different things. Very I think I think uh, George Carlin did that so uh, seamlessly. I think he was not a celebrity. I just think he was a successful comedian and voice. But I don't think that you would think of him in the same vein that you would think of with uh, Elizabeth Taylor. I think that George Carlin maintained his, you know, his stand as a voice and and he poked holes in that celebrity culture. I don't think he was one of those guys that was like, oh, let me do red carpet. Well, you know, what's interesting about George Carlin, ironically, I've had that conversation before, is he never took off as anything but really a stand-up comedian. It's not like he was like Eddie Murphy and just blew up in the movies where maybe his position might be challenged because now he's a mega movie star or a mega TV star. He just kind of remained a comic and he's been a blueprint for a lot of comedians to go, you know what, I just want to be a comedian for the rest of my life. I don't care about being a movie star. I don't care about, Mm -hmm. but I think um, in the 90s, that generation uh, of comedians uh, when a lot of comics started getting shows and becoming stars, because I think being a celebrity and being a star is two different things. I agree. I think a star has talent, and a celebrity is just somebody who's popular. popular. Yeah, Cato Kalin was a celebrity. celebrity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Reality, real, I don't wouldn't even call them reality stars, but reality people on TV shows, they become celebrities, but they're not stars because you have no discernible skill that we can say, this is what you do, this is what caused you to be famous. You know, you become famous for, you know, 
Well, we won't lot, get into that. A, a lot of black guys in Hollywood would beg to differ that the Kardashians don't have any skills. <laughs> 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 I said it, Jake. Why are you so quiet? What are you thinking about over there? Uh, you know, the nature of celebrity and what it does to somebody and how it changes them. I mean, I've now been in this business, uh, okay, not that long, but long enough like where some of the people that I came up with have now broken, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and I've got to see the change from the humble person to the guy who's like, well, now I've got my show on Nickelodeon. Or of course. They've got going yeah. On. And just how much it really does change people. Think that you think are the most down people ever. Like this person's never going to change. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, just all. They start ordering M&Ms without the blue M&Ms. Well, well, you know, not defending them, but I, I think uh, it has a lot to do with uh, your self-esteem. Yes. It has a lot to do with how you were raised. I think the problem is a lot of them don't realize that it's it's just a job and it doesn't make you better than the person who works at the mall or anything or anything else you just happen to have a job that gives you fame and then yeah. i think well, fame is really what what they're having a hard time dealing with is is the fame or the popularity or the popularity that that skill set has given them you know just like if you i mean if you think about athletes if you think about N nba oh. players if you think about nfl players I mean, they do something that what only 1% of the population is capable of doing. You know, the problem sometimes with comedians and actors, you know, the untrained, unskilled person feels they can do exactly what we're doing and be just as successful at it as we are. Like the average person wouldn't just go on to the Dallas Cowboys and try to walk on. He wouldn't go straight from Ralph's to Jerry Jones saying, hey, can I get a tryout? But right. delusional people do, and there's delusional people everywhere. Yeah, but we're, we're going to keep them in the, the small. <laughs> we're going to keep them in the in the minority, because no, most people we're know. We're in LA, man. We're in like the the capital of delusion people. <laughs> well, well here, here's the thing about comedy that makes me laugh. So, uh, like to to use to take my example a step further, uh, somebody will come to a comedy club, heckle you, want the attention, and feel like they are truly. Funnier. All right, they're contributing to you. your show. They help. I, did you see how I helped you out there? Yes, they think they're contributing. So, but let's just say, take somebody. I mean, to go back to put it in perspective, no one would go to a Mike Tyson fight and start yelling at him and think to hop in the ring with Mike Tyson because you know I am not prepared or ready for that. But what the idiot in the audience doesn't realize is trying to do what we do is just as dangerous yeah. and just as hard as getting into a ring with Mike Tyson. Well, really now like if you word, jump in the ring with Mike. But I'm going to kind of say, Meh. Like, you can't hurt somebody with a punchline. Like, a, like a Mike no, Tyson but, punch but, leaves a mark. I mean, know? I'm just trying to equate the two of you're still you're still not qualified yeah. to do what we Nobody do. Nobody goes to about, the dentist's office and says, hey, let me do this cleaning for you. I yeah, got it. Or go, it doesn't look like fun either. Yeah, well. It depends on who you're asking. Uh, yeah, but but the bottom is there's still a respect factor. There's just no res there's no real people say they have respect for comedians. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, what you do is so hard. But I think innately humor is such a tangible thing that everybody has access to, but not everybody can create it. Yeah, people think that it's easy. Like I, I, I hear it all the time, specifically being a woman. I cannot tell you how many men will come up to me after the show and say, you know, I've been thinking about doing it. You know, now that I saw you, I, I really think oh, I could do it. Exactly. Wow. You know, I get oh, yeah. it. Oh, that's, that's common. 
That's a very it, common every thing. Every single show. Oh, yeah. Every single show. And, you know, what's funny is like, man, if you my all my friends or friend, the friends will say, oh, man, my friend Jerry, he, he is, is so funny. We yeah. work, you know, down at Home Depot together. And he always, always has. A, everybody has cracking. He yeah. has everybody dying laughing, you know. And, and, you know, it's funny to me. It's like that's easy for me to get all the people that I grew up with that are on the same frequency as myself to laugh at one common thought because we're all in the same place. It's easy. But when you go on a stage, what you're doing is bringing people from everywhere, all walks of life and all walks of, you know, class system, races to laugh at one common thought that requires skill. Yeah. And it it requires repetition, practice, all the things that every other occupation has. But they don't respect ours, so they think we just came up off the street. I'll tell you one thing you have to have to be a comedian. The ability to stay up late. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there is no exactly. like, comedy before, like... And that, that's half of the people out there that go to bed at 9 sure, after sure. work. They're you know done. what I mean? They, they don't know that... That's when your life begins. Um, when we get back, we're going to talk about Cecil the Lion from Zimbabwe. We're going to take a quick break. You can call us, 855-878-4652. We want to hear what you have to say. We have Reuben Paul in the house, and we are going to be there. talking about... Everything. Call us, 855-878-4652. Andy D. Auntie Radio V. Bing, bang, bing, boom, right? Yeah. Andy D. Auntie Radio V. Bobbity, bibbity, bobbity, boo. Andy D. The Andy Dick Show, Wednesdays from 4 to 6 p.m. on T Radio V. Wow! But we'll do it. We'll do it better when we when the show actually starts. I'm Zoe Williams. And I'm Dr. Mark Goulston. I'm Jeff Brown. And we make up the Zoe What Morning Show. You can find us here on TRadioV.com every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I make you think. He makes you laugh, and if I get a chance, I'll help you change. Or make you cry with his attempts at humor. Radio in TV. Can you relate? We'll make it happen. Look at you. What you doing? Were you mumbling to yourself? <laughs> he no. back there mumbling. To them. To them. What it do is your man Money B from Digital Underground asking everybody to check out the Going Way Back show. Your home for classic hip-hop. Raw and uncut. Join me and me, DJ Alway, as well as Ty Teasy bringing you the old school new news every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on T Radio V. That's right, Radio MTV. And we are back. And, um, you know, Jake just made me laugh, but I'm actually very, very pissed off right now because um, I've been I've been following the story uh, that broke today about Cecil the lion who was murdered, um, poached, killed at home in Zimbabwe by a dentist. He was murdered, poached, and killed. All of it. it was, I'm so pissed. Like, cause they they're, you they're are trying upset. to they they're trying to give him the word. They they try. They were just saying he's a hunter. He's a killer. 
he broke the law. You're not supposed, they weren't supposed to, um, well, on that land that he is, they said it's sacred land and you're not supposed to kill any of the animals. It is against the law. And the locals get imprisoned for killing the animals and they're killing the animals for food and they go to jail. They go to prison for, they get fined from one to three years. So let me ask you this. Did the, uh, the hunter know that it was illegal? Yes, because he lured them off the land. And I, I believe he was on the land of a of a. Um, can we pull up a picture of Cecil the lion, please? Um, everybody loved him in the, in his land. He pulled he lured him off to the land of someone. I guess he paid the the person to kill him on the land because he was it was against the law. So he he lured him off the land to kill him. He was a docile lion. They said he wasn't. He. Um, this is Cecil the lion, and everybody, you know, that he was beloved, and they said that he never, he didn't really bother anybody. The people knew him, and he was, he was one of those animals that Cecil the lion, man. And so, um, I want to dedicate this show to Cecil the lion. Um, my uh, one of my friends said, you know, you start, you're turning into a white girl. You could about these animals, and I'm like, you know what? Those are, those are our, that's our fellow life. Um, in the great circle of life, we're all connected. We don't know how to treat each other, including our animals. What does that say about us as human beings? Because we're supposed to be the more intelligent species, correct? Yeah, very true. So, I'm. I was just reading here where he was. I guess he's trying to backpedal and say that he didn't know that the lion was a, a town favorite. Did it matter? But if he went there to hunt, yeah, he paid fifty thousand dollars to do it. He beheaded did he, him did he, did he pay 50 for Cecil or did he pay 50 just to hunt a lion? No, no. he No, I don't know if it was for Cecil specifically. I don't know if he knew. <laughs> he but can, does it matter? I'm looking for Cecil. <laughs> no, Ruben. No. He shows up. Man. He's in Minnesota and he just gets pissed like, you know. Forget that. I'm going to. Well, he's he's hunted all over the world. He's he's he hunted the the sheep that that are endangered, the endangered species of sheep that are, there are only a few left, and he he murdered one of them. And I think that uh, sheep, as in people in Hollywood. Oh well, there you go. I wish he was hunting those. Right? <laughs> but um, so he did murder. You know, he's he's known. He's gone all over the world. He has pictures with a a dead leopard. Like, uh, he, he killed a bear that he wasn't supposed to kill as well. So my question is this. With all this uproar, what was going to happen to him? I don't know. Go ahead. Hey, I got, like, a picture. You may not really want to look at and see, Go you ahead. know, if you're sad. So, like, um, for the people at home, like, turn away for, like, the next five seconds because you don't want to give this guy any, like, like you know, pride or shame or anything, you know? Oh, man. But, uh, That's dead Cecil? Yeah. 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 So, and uh, okay, it's it, off the screen now, people. Okay. So th it really bothers me, like to think that you can smile through that. Like, wow, let's take a picture with a dead animal that was not bothering us. It wasn't a, a it, our lives were not in danger. We just decided we wanted to kill this for sport. Yeah, I mean, I would never get my teeth cleaned by this guy ever. <laughs> I wonder what kind of you said he's gotten poor Yelp reviews. Oh since no, then? no, they have. He may not even make it home. I mean, like. Um, he, he, they're trying to get him in Zimbabwe right now. Yeah, they're. Wow, I was on CNN. Oh no, no, this is all over the news. It is like a big deal. Oh, Zim, the man Zimbabwe hunts the killer. Yeah. 
The entire country so the whole, has gotten up. Yes, like, uh, they love when I tell you that lion was beloved. Like they loved that lion. The lion had been around and never attacked anyone. It wasn't wow. like they knew the lion. Like he he went with them. They lured him out. He followed them out to the. That's called. You know they they he was there. You know Mufasa, their Simba, I, but theirs was real. And I just think it's it speaks volumes of who that is. That man has, you know, if he has children, they're in danger now. His dental practice is in danger. There are people who take this kind of, st- of stuff to heart. Like Ricky Gervais, who <laughs> is re- gets really pissed off when you mess with the animals. And he exposes these people. Now, all of his pu- information is public. Everybody knows where his practice is. And the Yelp, re- they flooded the Yelp reviews. People are not going to go there because nobody, nobody wow. wants to take the risk of, you know, of something happening to them for being in that dental. Look, look at Cecil. Is this amazing? How old was Cecil? Do we know? He was old. He was old. He'd been around for years. And just the irony or the <laughs> of, of he's living in Africa peacefully amongst the people and the white man comes over there and kills him and cuts his head off. Fucking man. white people. <laughs> well, you know, Jake is... Jake is wait, wait a minute. Did you just say fucking white people? Oh, I didn't see it like it was a plan. Let's start fucking white people. I no, meant like, um, you know... No, I'm just... Fucking I'm, white so people. So there's no language restrictions on this? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. No, Jake has said fuck the police on uh, Truth Serum. Well, Jay got on a blue rag, so he already knows it's fucked up. I have, saw it, I have an idea as to the dealio. He was uh, 13 years old. Jack, you can't say old. dealio anymore. I'm totally honkified, though. <laughs> <laughs> I still have dealio you, in the blood. You made black people, white people made black people retire dealio. Like, what's the dealio? As soon as the white guy said it, we all had a meeting and said, we have you, to stop you guys saying dealio. You from dealio to dealio for a little while. Like you just left out the EA and replaced it with an I. And then you guys caught on to that. Totally and then we caught s- that one too, man. Then we stopped. Our ears oh, are tough to trick. Yeah. But now they say something. <laughs> Our ears are tough to trick. <laughs> <laughs> He's hilarious. They, uh, they've replaced it now with what's good, which yeah. I hate. What's good? What's what good? I hate You guys it. get that for about another three weeks. Ah. What's good? Uh, I hope it ends. You should never have told me. You should never have told me. What's uh. good, man? <laughs> what's the deal, son? You can add son at the son? end of it. What's the deal? Well, it sounds very... Very white supremacy when you say son Take at the end dish, of it. Son. Like, it, it. That doesn't sound very good, you know. No, yeah, no. Like, it sounds more. Where'd you pe- get that ice cream from, son? That sounds a lot better. Uh, no, there has to be a pause. You got to take a pause. <laughs> Please from? don't say the word pause because they, uh, Dame, 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 what's Dame and Dash? Dame and Dash, pause. Just took the word pause and just destroyed the yeah every communication. Um, okay, so we're going to dedicate our show to Cecil the Lion. <laughs> Rest in peace. And I love sh- animals, man. We're going to show images of Cecil throughout the show with living images because we want to remember him in his life. And uh, we got Ruben. Ruben Paul is in the in the house, and we're going to talk to Ruben about what's going on with Ruben. Yeah, he can figure out what's going on with me. No, they don't know. You they have to know. tell them. I'll tell them. Are we starting now? Or are we're you, we're starting, coming back. No, we're talking about it right now. Um, all is well. I can't complain. Was well, a, I could complain, but nobody wants to hear when you're complaining. I, I, we, they want to hear when you complain. This is called truth serum. They want to, um, what, what pisses you off, Ruben? I just had an interesting conversation with uh, a comedian friend of mine. And, um, you know, it's, it's, these, it's tough in these comedy clubs on the road, you right. know, especially when you're not the he- headliner. I'm grateful that I'm at a position where I headline when I do mm-hmm. these rooms. But I have come through the ranks 
uh, I skipped really the having to be the opener opener and, and featured a lot. Yeah. And the feature spot in comedy in these clubs is tough to make a living now doing it because some clubs. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some clubs pay you. And Ida knows because she's featured. Some clubs pay you an I amount. And the amount that they pay you sometimes doesn't even cover the plane ticket you have to buy to come do these gigs. Right. And it's just a, um, it's like a, just a vicious circle of trying to figure out can you take the work or should you take the work or if, how do you justify taking the work and being gone five days and not making any money and, and just the whole um, perception of, of what the public thinks a comedian is and what what he uh, what he, like being a celebrity or what he might be getting paid and not realizing that you know the waitresses are going to leave with more money than the comedian made that night and he's the one that was on stage performing yeah. with you and and something is broken that has to be fixed because though I'm not in that position as much anymore to hear these conversations with friends or people up you know coming up it affects the level of comedy because now you're not really getting giving people the opportunity to really work on their craft because it's almost like they're paying to work on their craft where yeah. they can do that at home, but then you, you don't get the 30 minutes on stage in L.A. or in New York to be able to work on it that way either. So it's kind of like a catch-22 when it comes to the development and the growth and also being able to make a living and something needs to change. But I won't go too deeply into that because uh, – um, sometimes I feel like I'm alone in that stance. I don't think public you are. publicly. No, you're not. I'm with you. I think um, also, you know, it's really, really. Um, I think people don't understand the way comedy works. We don't have a union. <sighs> you know, we're underrepresented, and yeah. I think it's really, really hard to because you, you. It's essential to do because you have to do it so that you can develop. You, yeah. You know, it's hard to go up for an hour when you haven't mastered twenty. Yeah. But uh, it, it is very challenging, and the flying is so expensive, and you can't drive from California to New Jersey for a weekend. Exactly. You know, so I um I do think that and the other thing that makes it really hard is that once comedians make it, they forget about that. Yes. And then they don't stand in solidarity with the comedians beneath them because they feel like we have to go through the same thing that they went through. Yes. Instead of improving the system so, for the ones that come after. And those are the ones who would have to f speak out, and those are the ones who would have to affect the change because those are the ones who could actually m cause the change. Yeah. But nobody does that. Now, I'm not in a position to do that yet, but I do what I can. You do a lot. When I can. But um, but other than that, uh, that's one of the things that really bothers me because there's so many comedians that want to work. And, you know, some people come to me like, yo, why don't you take me on the road with you? Well, I don't want to insult you with yeah. what the offer is going to be and then you have to get your own hotel and you got to get this. Mm -hmm. So when I do have those gigs where I'm making enough money where I feel comfortable to be able to really help a fellow comic where I go, you know what, I'll play for your plane ticket or, right. you know, what, just get there. I'll cover your hotel or I'll put a little bit extra on what the club is going to give you. But is it fair for us to put that onus on all headliners to, to do that? Or should that be the club's responsibility? Right. Because... You know, one thing that's interesting is everything has changed in, in our society. Minimum wage, I heard now, is $15 or something like that. Yeah, is it? But it used to be, what, I remember, what, 
it's gone from three dollars to five dollars, depending on how old you are. With, with when times have changed, money has gone up. But how ironic the money at comedy clubs has stayed the same or gone down. Right. So why is <laughs> I mean that's in, that's that's insane. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to put the honest. I'm like a headliner that is not allowed to bring my openers yet. Yeah, you got to fight through that. Yeah. And I'm, sometimes Those I'm not steps. making that much money, much more money than the openers anyway. So um, it's it's uh, it's definitely, you know, a battle. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have forgotten and or they enjoy the other people being beneath them. Yeah. Because it feeds their ego. So it's it's you know, it's really. Mm. So you asked me what bothers me. That bothers me. <laughs> but other than that, um, things are well. Um, you know, I'm working. I'm doing a lot of writing, developing a show. I'm going to produce my own special oh, good. Uh, that we're going to finalize any day now. So I won't um, I won't divulge it, but it's 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 a big deal. And it's it's the type of special that um, nobody's done oh, nice. in terms of um, obviously the material, but in terms of how we're going to produce it and where we're going to produce it. So it's exciting to to get this off the ground. And um, I think like it's going to do Am I opening really for well. you at your special? Um, if, if I can afford you. Oh, you know, Ruben has paid I will say this. my I will. light bill. He's paid T-Mobile. <laughs> I've been like, Ruben, this is, I've been on the phone with him and say, listen, I'm not going to talk to you for a couple of days because they're going to cut my phone off. And he's Ruben has my Wells Fargo bank account number. I in do. His phone. I looked at that the other day. I was like, I wonder if this is still her bank account. He has the number <laughs> in his phone. So uh, I'll always come for, for you. Uh, we're going to be right back. Um, guys, you can chime in 855-878-4652. You like to do it more on Twitter, but we don't check Twitter until after the fact. Call so in. Call Let's in. talk. And if you have something to say about Cecil the Lion, please call. <laughs> but if you're on that hunter side, God help you. All right, we'll be right back. Down from the Real Talk Show. I want y'all to check me out every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Real life, real music, real sex, real everything. It's a real world. Check us out every Tuesday, the Real Talk Show, right here on T Radio V, Radio and TV. Hi, I'm Holly, and this is Michael. We're on Love Life on T-Radio V every day. No! no. Every Tuesday. Tuesdays. Every day I try to get her to have a love life. But every Tuesday, where you can watch us and hear us, only one place. Only hear him, though. 5 p.m. Pacific time, T-Radio V. We're going to talk about love, relationships, sex? intimacy. There'll be some sex, but not between us. No, I don't have sex with him. Not often. You're single, we're gonna share with you what to do if you just want booty calls or be in a relationship. Oh, you know you oh, like booty calls. I do. <laughs> What's it like to be in a relationship? We always say you have to be a strong me before you can be a great we. One place, right here, Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Pacific, only on T Radio V, right? Yep. Cool. 
And it's uh, Mary Carey, of course, politically naughty with Mary Carey. I'm always naughty. I'm always politically. My behavior is always politically, politically no. naughty. I'm never politically correct. I'm Dr. Dr. Drew, hi. <laughs> oh, I'm so hey guys, how are you? It's all teary-eyed, doctor. I know. She wished she could live at rehab. <laughs> but only if Dr. Drew's there. Obviously, sure. plus one, like... You know, because a little too groping might be inappropriate, but I like the flirting. Well, and stuff. When I, when I, I walked in, know. you shoved my head in your No! <laughs> are you going to sue me? <laughs> Get politically naughty with Mary Carey, Mondays at 4 p.m. on T-Radio V. Just you and your idle symbols that's so loud. Leather, leather, everywhere. Not a mislip from the ghetto. Well, 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 what you carry up just in case of depression. That is Cecil the Lion while he was alive before a dentist from Minnesota. A dentist. He got killed by it. He didn't even get killed. He got killed by a dentist. And um, when I tell you that this has affected the the world, it is. It's a beautiful animal. Yeah, look. It's just, it's it's so sad. It's just, it makes me really sad. Um, and, um, and I, I'm, I'm speechless. Uh, we're going to, uh, continue to talk to Ruben about his, uh, special that I'm going to be opening for him. Well, I will say this. I, I can't, uh, I can't say the location, but it will be shot internationally. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said I might not be able to afford you. I got miles. But we'll see. We'll see. I have an investors. So yeah, I want to go. Yeah. You, it's, it's going to be, a. I believe we're going to pull it off. We're really close. And if we pull this off, it's going to be historic. Good. It's time. It's your time. Thank you. You've been you. working. How long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing stand-up 20 years. Wow. He's been doing stand-up. I remember going to a special that Russell Peters, we we have Russell in common. Yeah. Shout um, out, Russell. And uh, Russell did a special for Showtime. Yeah. And I, I remember going to the special with Russell, and I sat next to some of the biggest porn stars <laughs> abroad that I had no idea who they were. And the camera kept like, and I was like, why do you keep looking at me? And it was because I had these dudes that were like big in the porn world. But, um, and, uh, and Ruben did, um, he was like, I, everybody on that show was different. Some people were funny and some people were hilarious. Mm-hmm. And you were like on my hilarious uh, list. I really enjoyed watching you there. Cause you had, it was so colorful. you, you did that joke about your astronaut joke. Oh, yeah. I haven't done Yeah. And it was really, really like everybody was just rolling. Well, um, thank you. Yes. That used to be one of my jokes until a couple of people borrowed it. But uh, you move on. Did you see? <laughs> did, so did you guys see on Twitter? No. You are accountable for the jokes that you steal. And Conan O'Brien is getting sued. Did you see that? Oh, yesterday? wow. Really? So Yeah, that, because they said a lot of these Twitter comedians will steal people's jokes. All the time. And then get development deals. And then. Oh, I, I just think that, you know, it's hard to regulate. That's a whole nother debate and conversation. I remember I think. when your joke was stolen on Twitter by a, yeah. a girl who looked good in bikinis. <laughs> I was like, she has no business <laughs> trying to be funny. But it's it's funny. Uh, I think Pat Oswald had um, he had addressed this very eloquently. I guess he wrote this thing about um, comedy and and intellectual property and mm-hmm. all these things. Um, yeah, his Twitter essays are always great. I ju- I just think it's it, it goes back to integrity. It's not saying that people can't have parallel thought, but as you know, 
the big shift for me comedically has happened in the last five years where I realized like, hey, I could be a funny guy and I can come up with funny, creative, clever stuff. Um, but it's two questions I had to answer myself. Um, is that making me different and am I really doing the type of comedy that I want to do? And then I found out um, the more transparent I could be, the more personal I could be, that's what's, people can't steal that. Like there's, I mean, there's other Haitian comedians, but there's no, I don't know any Haitian comedians that were born in in Carson, California that grew up on the, you know, on the east side off 190th and Wilmington, who had a sister that went to prison, Mm -hmm. who parents were missionaries, who got killed in a car accident. You see what I'm saying? Like the more specific I am, like you can't go on stage and copy that because that's not your life, that's not your experience. But if I come up with a cool observational joke, there's a chance that somebody else can come up with the same thing. So the more personal that I got, and the more personal I continue to be, the more difficult it is. Now I still just innately am a creative person, so I come up with funny observational stuff, but that's not what my foundation is anymore. I'd right. rather be personal, and that's one thing I love and enjoy about your comedy, because it's about your life. And in the long run, I think what we see is Thank the people you. who seem to really transcend and go to that next level, not only are they unique, I'm, I'm talking about staying power. I'm not just talking about somebody who gets a break and blows up and then disappears. I'm talking about with staying power are people that the public feel like they actually know. Right. Like, I, I know who this person is. I know how they feel. Like, when something happens in the news, me and you have talked about this privately a lot. You know, there's people go, man, I wonder what Chris Rock is going to say about this. Right. Why? Because you know who he is, what he's, he's about, what he's, you know, if Bernie was alive. Boy, I bet Bernie, you know, you know what I mean? There's certain comedians prior, yep. you know, even Carlin, even though he did a lot of observational, he did a lot of personal, but he had a very specific point of view. So I think... In that you do your George Lopez is a very like anybody who's famous in comedy is specific. Right. You can really describe who they are or what they do like that. Mm-hmm. There's no like, well, he did Kevin Hart, boom. You know, oh, he's the short guy that but like it's it's very quickly identifiable. And I think how do you identify yourself by being short? <laughs> by being I, yourself. Is that what happened to me, Jake? I grew too much. You know, damn it. Where where I came, where I fought that a lot in my career, because I I feel like I'm the I can do a lot of different things. I could be I could do this. I can do that. And, and Hollywood is like, yeah, that's great, but this is what we want you. This to is do. what we want. Are you Coke? Are you Seven Up? Right. What are you know what? How do we sell you? You got to be specific to be sold. You can't sell. That's why the uh, action star, dramatic actor, comedic actor, like they brand you. And innately as artists, we fight against that. Like I'm more than just, you know, I'm, more, I'm not just a Haitian comedian. I'm just a, if a Haitian, if them branding me that is going to move me forward, then let me move forward and then I'll bring all my other bags of tricks along with me. But you got to be something specific for them to buy. And that's not a bad thing or or even a good thing. It just is what it is. And it makes perfect sense when you know about marketing. When you market something, it has to be specific. But I digress. So now that we're talking about the seriousness of comedy, I have a question for you. Do you fuck a lot of bitches on the road? (laughs) There was a time. So what happened? There was a time. Um, I mean, you grow. 
as a as a as a man and I'm and sorry, as a person. I, I'm not supposed to be calling my fellow fellow women bitches. <laughs> I mean, you grow dance. and you know. Uh, this is a term in comedy. You develop and then you know things happen. You 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 meet people. You fall in love. He's stuttering. I'm I'm not stuttering. <laughs> That's just such an out of nowhere question. How many bitches you be fucking on the road? That's just such a. Because I think people should keep it real with comedians. Like I think that. It's so interesting that they, they ask, talk, it happens everywhere you go. It's different for you than it is for me. When yeah. I, I make men cringe, yeah. they run from me after the comedy shows. They're like, she thinks, she's a point of view, she obviously has standards. Yeah. I don't like her. Yeah. But you are like, oh, he's so funny. Well, I, I think when you first start and you're first out there, just I think it goes back to who you are as a person. Like, I'm not someone who started having sex when they started comedy. Right. You know, I was fucking girls in high school. I'm not okay. saying that to be like I'm proud of that, but I started having sex way too early. So I'm not one of these guys who got popular and then all of a sudden it's like, yes, women. <laughs> <laughs> now I can do this fucking that I've been hearing about for so long. I'm, I, you know what I mean? So, yeah, when you first start and you're excited and you're young and you're in the, you know, women throwing themselves at you. Yeah. But now. As you get old and you start thinking about consequences and disease and people you care about, and you know what I mean? You operate in there. It's called growing up and being a man. Okay. Like, I remember um, my godfather, man, rest in peace, who is just the example, other than my father, but just an example of a man with just who had been through infidelity himself. And I was like, Papa, I call him Papa. I go, Papa, what made you stop fucking around? He's like, I had to grow up, you know, and I had to realize that my actions just didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I know that's not a popular thing. Some nigga probably looking at him, oh, this motherfucker's soft. He can, but literally, you know, when you're trying to be the man, you know, uh, uh, when you're trying to be a consistent man, you know, behind closed doors and publicly, then there's a responsibility to that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you ask yourself a question, what type of man do you want to be? Now, if you're single and you're out and you're doing that, you know, to each his own. I don't even judge people who fuck around. It's just to each his own. I'm just at a point now where I have somebody that I care about and I just choose, try my hardest, you know, not to. I mean, this seems like new information <laughs> to me. It so is new information to you. So when when do does that keep our U.S. fun on the road? Oh yeah, I have I have a great time. I uh-huh. love people. I love uh-huh. comedy. I love meeting new people. I love performing. I love doing. Uh-huh. You know all these things you know um so yeah i i enjoy i enjoy the performance i don't really like people think it's crazy as much traveling as i do i don't really like the traveling i love the shows i love mm-hmm. meeting the people but the airport the hotels it gets, it gets old it gets old really quickly you know that's mm-hmm. why i'm really focused on you know making these projects that i have go so i'm really invested in doing that and working on my stand-up those are the two things but um, I want to travel on my own terms. Right. You know, that's why traveling with Russell is such a a breath of fresh air because you're staying you're staying at five star hotels. Talking about Russell Peters. Russell Peters. Uh, you're staying at five star hotels. You're traveling first class or you're traveling private. Um, right. You know what I mean? You're making great money. And just the road. And when you're not traveling at that level, like you said, sometimes they won't even let you bring a feature. Yeah. You know, so. I'm just working my ass off because I want to travel and tour on my own terms. 
So we'll be right back now that we've found out why Ruben has been so hard to reach as of late. <laughs> um, if you want to chime in on this, you can at 855-878-4652. When we come back, we're going to talk about when do you draw the line in comedy in your vote, your voice, your public voice. Where do we draw the line? Because everybody feels like they can say whatever they want. We'll be right back. What did you play opposite Andy, Eric? Do you remember? Uh, Andy and I worked as uh, two employees at a network. Okay. Oh, you're and forgetting the other I, thing. I played, I played, I played a news anchor, and he played a reporter. Okay, but the other thing you did, the thing you did on the Andy Dick show, who did you play to Andy? Oh, uh, is is that to play my sister? You played his wife, Denise. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you played his wife. Yeah. So what's wrong with that, Eliza? Yeah. Nothing's wrong with it. He's got a great range as an actor. And, yeah. yeah, it just was funny. Encounters with Eric and Eliza Roberts, Wednesdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on T-Radio V. Hey, geeks, wake up. We've got big news. I'm not going to mumble this time. Geekscape, the long-running movie video game. Let me do one more. Hey, geeks, we got big news. Geekscape, your favorite show about movies, video games, comics, and TV, is coming to T-Radio V, Monday, October 6th. And it'll be on every Monday from then on, 7 p.m. Until the apocalypse happens, we're all eaten by zombies. Hey, my fellow thoughters out there. I'm Charles Shaughnessy. Check out my new show, Here's a Thought, with Charles Shaughnessy, August the 7th, 3 p.m. PST, right here on T-Radio V. Now, you know I have a lot to say, but I want to hear what you have to say. So tune in, grab your phones, call me, tweet me, email me in the studio, and let's get this conversation going. Here's a thought starting August the 7th, 3 p.m. PST, right here on T-Radio V. That's radio in TV. Is that the theme to the show? That's my song, yeah. My theme okay. song. Uh-uh. What is that again? Young Americans. Okay. Uh, oh, the song? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's David Bowie, Young Americans. Um, we have a call, so uh, we're going to take a call. We're so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So I'm over here, and you guys discuss, you know, um, celebrity, lions, and... Um, just like, I guess, artistic credit. And uh, one of the questions I had was about, you know, comedians and how do you all feel about having other writers writing your material? Because, you know, as we've all heard about this whole ghostwriting thing, I'm more into hip hop. And as a writer, you know, I always feel like you're speaking your own voice. But then you think of somebody like, you know, Richard Pryor having material written by uh, Paul Mooney. What's mm-hmm. your opinion on that? 
Um, who, I'll let Richard. Uh, I'll let Ruben answer that because Ruben is actually one of those ghostwriters. <laughs> <laughs> he actually does that. I, I will say this. I, I said this to somebody uh, the other day. Uh, if Richard Pryor can collaborate with people, and I call it, you notice I didn't say writing for, but I said collaborate because I think ultimately yeah. it's the comedian. It's like this is how it happens for you guys who don't know. When a famous comedian or a comedian in general it could be. Ida it could be myself. I'll call Ida and I go, "Hey, I got this this thought," mm-hmm. and then I'll just start running it down to her just to talk it out. And then what happens is she'll go, she'll give me her opinion on her feedback on what I brought up to her. And the next thing you know, you've created a whole bit. Mm-hmm. And this notion, and I'm not, and I have written jokes for people like, here, here's a joke, say this. I've done that before, but most of the time it's a collaborative effort. Like, we did wh- it last weekend for the roast. Yeah, and, and when, when Paul Mooney didn't tell Richard Pryor what to say word for word. Richard was like, man, I probably want to talk about this. And oh, nigga, you should say this. You should say that, nigga. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, it's so you go back and forth. So people are giving Kevin Hart flack. Um, but Kevin is one of the few comedians that actually publicly give his writers credit. Right. And it's not right. like his writers are going, hey, Kevin, you should say this. Kevin goes, hey, man, I want to talk about this, this. You come up with a theme. Most good comedians, yeah. they have a theme for their show. So if I, if I go to Ida or to anybody or my buddy uh, Gerard Guillory, I go, yo, man, I want to talk about um, just how society, like I have this joke that I do about black and black, black on black crime, how I hate the phrase black on black crime, because that gives the impression that black people are the only people who kill each other. When white people kill white people, Asians kill Asians, Mexicans kill Mexicans, whites kill whites, because you kill where you live. So when you, they go on the news and say black on black crime, even though it does exist, like what, we're the only ones killing everybody, everybody else dying from natural causes? Right. Like what, you know what I mean? Like it's so... I'll talk that out and then we'll come up with lines and jokes and boom, then I'll, I'll take it to the stage. So I would say to answer your question, um, I don't have a problem with it because most comedians aren't being handed a script to say by somebody else when they're performing their live stand up. Right. It comes from their heart or their mind and they just need somebody to bounce it off of. But what happens is when you are somebody they can bounce off with at a high level and contribute to what they do at a high level, you become a part of the team. Right. And then, and you're compensated for that. You're, yeah. you're, you're being paid for that. That's not, you're on staff, you know, uh, Chris Rock is really busy and operating on a very high level. Mm-hmm. So people that are contributing, you can't, you can't not change or alter Chris Rock's point of view. And, Everything and, is in line with his voice and his point of view. It's not like people are just recreating Chris Rock as they go. And let me just say this, because I've heard people pop off. And this, and I'm coming from a perspective of like being a guy who has quote unquote ghost written, um, I can't think of a great comedian on your top five, and I don't even need to know you what your top five is that doesn't collaborate with somebody. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I feel like people are so quick to judge, you know, like the artistry of creative people and say that it has to come from this person, but it goes back to what you all were saying about celebrity as well, is that sometimes the person that would have larger platform, they're going to be able to get it out there to the masses more than that person who collaborated with them. Exactly. Yeah. You were going to say something, Jake? 
Oh, I was going to ask, uh, do you get a lot of pleasure like when you hear your joke go over from someone else's voice? A- absolutely, absolutely. I wrote a joke for somebody who uh, performed for the president. And, for, you know, to get a, a call to go, hey, man, he was dying or that killed, you know, you get some satisfaction in that. But I'm not married to anything that I write for anybody else because most of the jokes that I write for somebody else are jokes that I wouldn't say for myself because it's written from your point of view. You know, do you have it on both sides? Do you have someone who helps you out from like a like an underneath position as like? Um, yes and no. I'm not at a level where I need that yet. You know what right. I mean? I'm not that busy where I can't do it myself. But if I'm stuck, there's a hand, just maybe two or three people that that I trust their sensibility. Like I have certain people like if I'm calling, if it's a joke, if it's. If it's a social joke that talks, uh, you know, about race or just a particular um, point of view that I have, then I'll call Ida or I'll call my buddy uh, Gerard because I know we share the same sensibility on society and what we feel about what's going on. So if I run that by them, I know that we're all speaking the same language and it's a shorthand. So. Yeah, you have certain people or what I do a lot and which I wish most comedians would do is if you come up with something that's really funny, sometimes you come up with a joke so easy that you go, I know somebody else had to come up with this before. So what I do is I call other comedians, other veterans. If I know somebody who's like, I know comics who've been doing comedy 30 years. So I'll call them and go, hey, man, I came up with this bit. Have you ever heard this? And they go, yeah, actually, man, such and such used to do that right, in, right. in 89. And you go, in 89? Because comedy is cyclical. So there's jokes that comedians are doing now that you're not hearing any other comedians doing, but they don't realize that comedians in the 80s were doing that joke. I'll give you a perfect example. I used to do a girls' night out joke. I was doing that like in 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 the mid '90s, a girls' night out joke. Now, oh, tons of comedians do that joke now, but when I was doing it, th- not many people were doing that joke. It was a new premise. And the only reason why I know it was new is I went to a comedian that was much older than me. I go, "Hey, do you do girls' night out j- jokes? Did you guys do that in the in the '70s and the '80s?" And he goes, "Nah, that's a fairly new thing." Yeah, because the women were in a different place at those times man so that blew me away that that was one thing that they haven't covered because it was different back then the liberation of the liberation women. yeah thank you so much for your call um i hate anybody who hates drake meek mill eat a fat one i love my drizzy <laughs> oh and my um gosh. you know what i'm telling you and safari came uh, for them because i'm up on it and safari just murked meek and nikki and said that that nikki also is a hip-hop thief um, I'm going to slide right into my I'll say it for you right now. Uh, today, I deleted someone from my Facebook that felt we were talking about Cecil the Lion, my show, my theme. I'm dedicating the show to Cecil the Lion. Um, what he said that he felt that uh, uh, we were being hypocrites because we eat meat. And he was like, that lion was a lion and lions eat people. And I don't see the big deal about this. And I deleted that person because I thought that he was ignorant and uh, just stupid. I said, for you know, I, I get it. I think that um, 
the ultimate <laughs> human being, the ultimate evolved human being happens now has to be a vegan to stand up for the rights of animals. Get the fuck out of here. You know that there are people who eat animals and that, that that are not in support of them being slaughtered, you know, barbarically and be beaten and hit with sticks and stuck in cages and suffocated. I, I certainly am not one of those people. I eat fish, but I don't want you to go stab the fish in the eye and and do whatever it is. I get very upset about this because I think people want to justify fucked up stuff because they think it's okay. And if you think it's okay to murder that lion because you you are in in favor of hunting, that is up to you. But don't come criticize us and call us stupid and indicate that we are thinkers that are less than you because we don't support the the barbaric murder of innocent animals that are not in any way bothering you. You are in their jungle. You go to their house. You heard the Richard Pryor joke. You heard the Ian Edwards joke. It is not an attack if you are in the ocean. It would be an attack if that bitch was in your shower. So I am not in support of people that support the the barbaric treatment of animals. Um, I don't want to be friends with people like that. I don't think it's cool what happened to Cecil. I'm very wounded by it, and I'm going to be affected by it just like everybody <laughs> else. And um, I just don't think it's okay. Once we start justifying cruel and unusual treatment of any living being, then we become barbarians. This is not Lord of the Flies. We are fucking civilization, and that shit was not okay. I'll say it for you. And if you have a problem with it, you can meet me on Facebook. I'll be right there today with my keyboard. You don't want none. You don't want it with hoes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them where they can find you, Ruben. Uh, you can find me uh, on Facebook. Um, you can find me uh, on uh, Instagram, Twitter. I am Ruben Paul. Ruben is spelled R-U-B-E-N, and I always hashtag everything with Wuben because that's what my father used to call me. I'm Funny Ada, Funny A I D A, and I say it that way because that's how you spell it. Um, um, that's my Instagram, my Twitter, and Snapchat or whatever. I will be in San Diego August 1st this Saturday with Michael Blackson at the Four Points Sheraton. How about you? Where can they find you? Uh, you can always find uh, me, your uh, controller, engineer, co-host, whatever you want to call me, at Jake Belcher GTA. That's Grand Theft Audio GTA, Jake Belcher. So. Jake! Jake is in the house. Remember, rest in peace, Cecil. Your spirit lives on with us. Oh, Tell him bye, Jake. Cecil. Bye, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> You are watching T-Radio E, radio and TV.